This is Paul Robinson. You're listening to Starseed, an intrepid adventure with Mark Glenn Moore. Today, we're going to be talking with author Dan Harari. Mark met Dan Harari at the last MUFON meeting in Northern California. And Dan had just come out with a book, just released a book called After They Came, which is about the arrival of Pleiadians on this planet. Uh, It's fictional, but uh, much to their surprise, Dan's fictional account and Mark's actual accounts with the Pleiadians and trips aboard the the ships and so on are very, very, very similar. So we'll be delving into that. Enjoy. Hey, hey, I'm uh, I'm Paul Robinson, and I'm with Mark Mora, and we're talking to Dan Harari, and uh, Dan has just put out a recent, uh, new book that Mark has read. Uh, the name of the book is... Uh, After They Came. After They Came, right. And uh, I've read Dan's interview, and uh, we're going to talk about how this all ties together. Uh, sure. Um, Mark and I just did the UFO con in San Francisco, and Mark gave his first uh his first uh speaking at at san francisco UFO con so he'd not talked there before and mark uh, as you know from the from our podcast mark is an experienced an experiencer and more and um dan's new book is about precisely that in uh in in the What's in a uh, fictional sense, in a fictional sense, yeah. but, but what we're finding or what Mark just read your book and what he told me that he was amazed about how accurate you are for, for his actual experiences. So that's, that's the, that's the really remarkable thing, Paul. You know, I was at UFO con also, I had a uh, table yeah. there with, with my brother, right? My brother lives in Monterey. So he and I went up together. Right. And uh, I was presenting my book and Mark was at the table to my right and mark and i bonded and and uh, when i told him the uh the premise he was kind of astounded and then mark has this little business card of these beautiful pleiadian people yep. and uh, mark what did i say when i saw that i said oh my god those are the stars of my my the movie of my book those yeah that's how, how you vis- visualize they they look that's who i had in my head to as my two lead alien characters. So, so I, I was curious, have you ever dreamed about this? I mean, how did you come up with the premise? That's really a remarkable story. And let me start by going back in time. That's cool. So I grew up in the Jersey Shore with two younger brothers, my parents. My dad worked for the U.S. Army as an electronics engineer 1951 to 1996, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. He was civilian. Not military, but he worked on a military army base for 45 years. In 1970, I was 14 years old, and my dad drove me home one day from school. I think it was from Hebrew school, actually. And it was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And as we're driving home down my suburban street in my dad's car, I'm in the passenger seat, and we looked up. Sorry. We looked up, and... um, We looked up above the car, and there was a giant silver V craft, an enormous silver V craft, just directly above our car. 
Wow. This is 1970. So I'm 14. I go, Dad, stop the car. Stop the car. Do you, there's UFO. Stop the car, UFO. So we stopped the car. We got out of the car. We looked up. And I was jumping up and down. The thrill of a lifetime, right? How often are you going to see something this remarkable in New Jersey in the afternoon on a sunny day over like one of my best friend's house? And it was just kind of like there, like this. like. And your dad absolutely saw it too, right? Dad, no, here's the, here's the funny part, Paul, of the story. So I'm jumping up and down. My dad looked at it like he was looking at a head of, head of cabbage in the supermarket. Like mm. nothing, not, no reaction of any kind. Right. Not surprised, not shocked, not excited, not scared. No reaction at all. Okay. So dad, UFO, dad, UFO. No reaction. Dan, here's the best part. He, he looked at me. He winked. He winked at me. He said, come on, kid, let's go home. We go home. I called the local newspaper, Rotary Phone, 1970, Rotary Phone. I called the Asbury Park Press. I said, my name is Danny. I'm 14. I just saw you a phone with my dad. And the lady goes, young man, I can't talk to you right now. We're getting hundreds of phone calls about this sighting. I can't talk to you right now. Nothing ever ran in the paper. Wow. That... Okay. Now, here's where my book came from. My dad died in 2017, Okay, 47 years later. I forgot about that sighting, Paul, for 47 years. A couple days after my dad died, I'm in a restaurant. I live in Los Angeles. I'm in a restaurant here in L.A., waiting for a pastrami sandwich to be delivered. And I'm just sitting there mourning my dad. And I swear to you, the story of this book came, came to me from above. It just came into me, beamed right into my head from above. The whole book came into my head. But the most remarkable thing that first came into my head was, oh, my God, my dad and I saw a UFO in 1970. It was a silver V. I was playing it back as though it were a movie, right? This memory came to me in, in 47 years later. And I remembered my dad's look on his face. And, and then the wink. Now, let's think about this. My dad worked for the, was an electronics engineer for Fort Mama. For 45 years, top secret. He never told anyone ever what he did for a living. What was the name of the place? Fort what? Fort Monmouth. Okay. So while I'm waiting for my sandwich, it occurred to me that my dad knew what we were looking at. In 1970, my dad knew what that was. Why? And I have a lot of clues. One, no expression on his face or like he, it was commonplace for him. Two, the wink, right? Three, here's a good one. After my father died, I called my mother. She's still alive. She's 88. I said, Mom, did Dad ever talk about UFOs? She said, when he started working at Fort Monmouth in 1951, they took him deep into the vaults there, and they showed him something top secret, and they said, as long as you live, you can never tell anyone what you saw here today. And she said he came home from work all white and shaky, and she said he never was the same after that. Wow. That's number two. Number three. Everything my dad did for 45 years, he designed missiles and drones and radar systems so America could spy on its enemies. So everything my dad did for his work involved things that flew in the sky. Okay. Uh, the next clue. In Richard Dolan's book, After Disclosure, Volume 1 in the back, there's a listing of, all, of, of a bunch of military UFO sightings. There was one in 1951 above Fort Monmouth. 
There was one in 1952 above Fort Monmouth. My father was working there at the time. He had to have at the least heard about those had or, or seen them, but at least had heard about it. Uh-huh. So I'm, t- I'm so after he died, it occurred to me for the first time that he was aware of UFO technology. This is my theory that he knew about UFO technology, the silver V that he and I saw together. He knew what that was. And I like to think he was involved in man-made military vehicles based on reverse engineering. That's, that's my, that's what gave birth to this book. And, and Dan, so you had forgotten about this first sighting until you were waiting for that pastrami sandwich? Yeah. Isn't that and, crazy? It, and it just came back to you. It just, in the picture, your dad winking at you triggered it. The whole, Mark, the, the, it came to me like I was watching a movie. And, and the, did the whole book come to you like in pictures in your mind, in your head? And like, oh, this is a story I need to write? What came to me first was that real life event. And then I wrote down on the placemat at waiting for my sandwich on the placemat. I wrote down, I wrote down, um, I, I thought I should write a book for some reason. I just it came to me to write a book. And then I put lead character finds out his late father knew about aliens and UFOs. And then this is cool. I wrote capital A, capital T, capital C on the placemat. And I didn't know what those letters were. And I looked at it for a little while and I go, uh, aliens, my dad, UFOs, aliens coming, aliens after they came. That's how I got the title of the book. Received. So, and then I got my pastrami sandwich. And then I outlined and then I outlined the whole book and spent eight months every day working on it. What, what was on what else was on the napkin? Cantors or Nate and Al's? It was neither. It was called um Juniors. Oh, is it good? Has since gone out of business, unfortunately. Oh, too bad. I'm always looking for good, good delis, but well, anyway. there's a good one here in LA called Factors. It's around the corner from where I live. If you come to LA, let me know. We'll go to Factors. I will. I'm down, down, we down there all the time. But uh, well, that's super exciting. So it was. Do you think? Do you consider it was blocked, or that was that you were kind of unallowed it, and then suddenly not only allowed but the movie. It's such a great question, man. Some people said, Dan, were you abducted? Did you lose time? No, there's no way. I was not taken. I did not lose time. No. Here's what I think. We saw the event. I called the newspaper. Nothing ran in the newspaper. I looked for two or three days. I remember. Nothing ran. 1970, I'm 14. I have a Ludwig drum set. I'm in rock bands. I'm playing every seventh and eighth grade dance in our school. My best friend was a guitarist. And we were looking at girls from a distance, being too shy to talk to girls. And we were playing Cream and, and, and the Beatles and the Stones. So at the era I was in, for me, I lived rock and roll for decades of time. Rock was my DNA. I forgot about the unbelievable sighting. I forgot about it. I completely what? forgot about it. Why I forgot about it, I couldn't tell you. I really don't know. Was it erased by the aliens who went over my head? I don't know. I just think because my dad never talked about me ever, 
till his death. No, never once. No media coverage. I was playing rock and roll and doing good at school. So for whatever reason, it just was in my head two, three days, and it just kind of vanished. That, that's not that's not the kind of event that just kind of evaporates. I mean, really, that's it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. I, I'm I'm shocked, my friend. Well, we no. hear, we hear from other people. I mean, we we have other friends who are experiencers who can't access the informa- information until they are are intervened with a with a, a hip, hypnotist or somebody who has does regression with them, right? So it seems like in also, Mark and I have talked about it, that if these people have the time and technology to get here and show up and disappear like that, then they probably have the ability to, you know, they're possibly interdimensional or they're, you know, they've got, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit in terms of what they can achieve and do to us or, it, you know, they're, they're way beyond our comprehension. I believe that for sure. Uh, absolutely for sure. But again... Waiting for that sandwich. My dad had just died maybe three or four days earlier, right? I was real close to him. Uh, he was my hero. So I was more, I was in mourning, state of mourning. Maybe my uh, my mind, maybe because I was in a different state, was open. Mm-hmm. But for what, and, and you know, maybe de- maybe my dad gave me the story for the book from from heaven. It, it, it came, I remember I looked out the door for a second at this deli. I was just sort of looking at the door and then almost like a chef. <laughs> And it wasn't a shaft of light, but it was like a shaft of light came, gave me that sightings, gave me ATC, read a book about a man, a man and his dad worked with aliens and UFOs. Like these things just came to me. I wasn't expecting any of that to happen. It's very likely that your father, after he passed, sent you a message. You know, what, what travels faster than the speed of light? Uh-huh. Thought. Thought. Thought travels to the universe instantaneously, and you know, and that's very. When people pass, they they do feel a need to connect and and do some unfinished business, you know, with the people they love. Well, I've seen my dad in dreams since his death, countless times, countless times, far more than when he was alive. And the oh. first, the first few dreams with my dad after he died, I said to my dad in the dream. First of all, he's always about. He died at 86. He had Alzheimer's and didn't know who he was. In the dreams, he's about 40. Looks great. Has a black mustache. Never had a black mustache in his life. Always, for whatever reason, <laughs> I think in heaven, my dad interesting. But in the dreams, I go, Dad, what are you doing here? You're dead. And he says, yeah, I know, but I really wish I wasn't. And we've had that conversation in dreams. Wow. That's very several, nice. Several, mm. several times. Hi, this is Sandy with Olanapua here in Maui, Hawaii. I own an Ocean View penthouse studio condo here at the beautiful Kanapali Shores Resort in West Maui. This oceanfront property has two pools, a restaurant, a full bar, a day spa, and on-site activity planners who will book your day trips all over the island. In addition to walking distance food shops, the resort is located just a 15-minute drive to the town of Lahaina, where you will find plenty of restaurants, shops, and live music. To check room rates and availability for your Hawaiian getaway at Aston Kanapali Shores, Unit 936, go to www.vrbo.com. 
1242558. Again, that's www.vrbo slash 1242558. Hope to see you there. Aloha. Now, I've had two other UFO sightings more recently. But again, for whatever reason, that first Silver V in 70 was just like just buried. It was just this, 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 almost like it never had happened. I wish, I wish I had been, I wish in retrospect, you'd think I would have been into UFOs from 1970. Uh, It is amazing. Mark is, is like multi experiential, right? And Mark is, has gone as far as being up on the ships and, and, and continually telepathically communicated with Mark, did, have you had anything or much stuff buried where stuff where it's been hidden for from you for a while? You're asking Mark, right? Yeah, Mark. Oh, you're asking, I thought you were asking. Okay. Um, no, my experience has started when I was five years old. It's what I came to UFO con to speak about. Right. And, it's it's been when I was younger I tried to talk about these experiences but you know I just got blank stares it was unrelatable and so for a time I just I stopped talking about it while the experiences kept going on through you know my childhood into my teens and then years would go without an experience but my memories were never suppressed and they came to me in a park when I was a five-year-old boy, uh, this this woman named Maya, who looks very similar to the, the illustration that you have, and uh, she met me three times in the park. And then one day, and, and she was in regular clothes like a housewife would have been, but absolutely beautiful, soft, and spoke to me in my mind. And the third time she said, well, would you like to join us on the ship? And I go, what ship? And she says, well, if you like, we're, we can do that. And so that was my first trip aboard a, a, a Palladian spaceship. They, they identified themselves as coming from the Palladian star cluster. And you were five at the time? or I was five when the first experience happened. And they identified themselves as Palladians? Yep. Wow. And that they were benevolent, and they were here to gently guide humanity um, in our evolution, I hear there's a book uh, behind the scenes, I hear um, there's a book that talks and, about that. and then now there's this book after they came that explains, I think pretty clearly, pretty closely the Palladian agenda. Right. Well, Mark, Mark and I were meant to meet that day. I believe so. Well, and it, it, it yeah. was it was when he told me his experience, and I told him it was fiction, but. We were at the two sides of the same coin. I, I, I felt that Mark and I were supposed to have met that day. You know, and it sounds a little not suspicious from either of you, but it sounds like because your accounts are both so accurate and yours is supposedly fictional, but you've got that tie of you, you saw you were an experiencer essentially, and then it disappeared. You know, left your field of consciousness. And now it reappears. It, it makes me wonder how much more you know than than you know. When you've had three sightings. And now Paul and I were talking about our interview with Paul Hynek, okay. um, who is on was on the podcast. But I met him last year at the same event. And um, his father was Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Right. And what I'm 
really seen now that I've just kind of stepped into the community, as you would say, in just this past year, there's a lot of connection to families in the military that are having these experiences. And I'm wondering why that is and, and how, how, what's the connection there besides, you know, being around the Air Force and Navy and all that. But your father was, you know, he had access to some, you know, pretty important stuff, apparently. My dad was a, G, a GS-13. Apparently, it goes up to GS-15. And, and um, Jimmy Church, the other day, I was on Jimmy Church. He told me GS-13 was incredibly high up yeah. the ladder. It's, it's, it's government service 13, which is a, a civilian person. Um, my dad, over the years, my dad threw crumbs, crumbs of knowledge at me, like, Dad, what'd you do for a living? I helped America win the Cold War. That was one of my dad's lines. Dad, tell me about your work. Well, I can't tell you, but <clears throat> one time I invented a craft that looked like a flying garbage can, he said, and it flew over North Vietnam to take photos. And it would take click, click, click photos with, with the film camera. And then the canisters would, would come down from the craft in little, parach little parachutes. Oh, really? With beacons. So our American troops would know where to go to get the beacons to get the film. Hmm. And that, by far, is the most my dad ever told me. Did he I ever that, tell you how the garbage can was powered? Let's think about this, right, Mark? That's such a great thing. And I spoke to my mother the other day. She goes, you know, I don't know if your dad worked on UFOs, but this is from my mother the other day, 88 years old. God bless her. She said, you know, some of the things your dad invented were, were probably misidentified as UFOs in their time. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. you. The three of us went outside right now. Saw a flying garbage can. I I've seen one. <laughs> I yeah. have in Cleveland. You saw something that looked like a flying garbage can. Exactly. That well, that might have been my father's. My father might have invented that you know, oh, yeah. in, the, in the sixties. An, an early drone. Yeah, an early. Yeah. My dad told me he was on. Swear to you, he said I was in the early stages of drone discussions. He, he was. Wow. No, he was. He told me that. He only threw a few crumbs of meat in, 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 in his lifetime. Yeah. Well, secret, secret, secret guy. But getting back to your military, right? People like my dad, in those days, everything was you work for your pension. Yeah. My, my dad couldn't wait to retire. Right. Pension, pension, pension. I must have heard my dad talk about his pension for 50 years, right? Pension, the pension we can't wait to retire, but I can go to Florida and get a pension. And that makes sense more than just fear of your life. If you were to divulge something, which you know some say they were in fear of their life, but in fear of your family security, yeah, that's his. That's big. You lose your gig, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's why my dad. I'm quite sure that's why he never spilled any beans, even to my mother. My mother said to me, "Danny, you know, honestly, I never really knew what your father did. They were together a long time." Hey, um, so it, 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 there was a lot to be said for loyalty in, in those days, loyalty to America. Yep. You're, sworn, you're sworn to secrecy. And like Mark just said, pension and your family security, you're not going to jeopardize that. My dad, yeah. in the 30s, my dad's family was so poor, they lived for a week or two on the sidewalks in Brooklyn. They lived on the street. Wow. During the Depression, they had no money. Mm -hmm. So my dad was grateful for that job that he had, you know. He was okay. not gonna he's not gonna tell me and my dopey, you know, long haired friends, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working with the aliens from Mars, but you know, don't tell anyone, Dan. 
I would tell everyone. I would go to school and tell all my teachers. I would tell everyone. And Dan, I wanted to share a story, too, that my grandfather on my dad's side was a captain in the Navy. Okay. And then he became a double dipper. So after he's done with his Navy, he was going to become Admiral, but he got a job at Lockheed instead. He, so he left as a captain in the Navy and he joined Lockheed. And as a kid, they took me on the airbase a lot. And I got to look at the missiles they had built that were skyscrapers in these yards. Absolutely amazing. But on the same side of the family, my great uncle was a captain in the Air Force. And after my great aunt died, I went down to be with him because I was really close to her. And he cooked dinner for me. And I said, well, what about the UFO thing? What, what has really been going on? And he, he started to he started to talk and then he froze and he went pale white and he wouldn't talk for the rest of the dinner. And I don't know what trigger I hit, but there was something there and there was something he was not allowed to talk about. Well, that's what my mother said when my dad came home the first week of his job, went into the vault, something topsy. She said he came home, he was pale, Mark, he was shaky. Yeah, she said she had never seen him like that, and and she said he never was quite the same. Now, think about that, right? Because he was really outgoing and gregarious and funny, life of the party kind of guy. After that, I mean, the dad that I knew was was not someone, but my dad was very introspective. He was a brilliant man, clearly a brilliant man. Didn't talk a lot. He was very much to himself. He kept his thoughts to himself. So whatever. Your, your aunt and my uh, my father, whatever, or uncle and my father, whatever they saw, it was profound. They saw some things that were profound. affected them deeply. Well, now I'm curious to go and find out what his security clearance is, because I, I, not a question I asked him. <laughs> Mark, I have a question for you. When, so when you were young, taken on board, how long were you gone, slash, were your parents looking for you? Were you a missing child? Right. That's a great question. The first trip I was brought up there, I was given a tour of the Milky Way galaxy, like a spin around the galaxy. And and the windows in the the craft were pretty big, so it was very easy to see. And there were other children there with me, and there were a couple of adults. Every time I went up, there were, uh, you know, two or three children and two adults. It wasn't, um, I think the time wasn't that long. And then the second time, because it was in the middle of the day, and, you know, the, my my brother had died um, just, uh, you know, just before all of these experiences started, just a couple of years before. And my parents had checked out, and I was uh, left on my own. And I was able just, you know, to leave and walk myself to school, stay out in the park late, come home by dark. At five, at the age of five, you were. Yeah. Yeah. My mom went into a depression and my dad, he'd stayed out late. You know, it just kind of was the beginning of the end of their relationship when they lost my brother. So I had a lot of freedom. And the second, uh, the second time was the start of the education where we were all put in front of big screens and we were shown our past lives. 
And they wanted us to understand where we were before we came into this lifetime and why we were on the ship. That we had made an agreement prior to coming into the life that we would be doing a certain uh, task. We'd be, you know, we had a task. And so I learned, you know, about my past lives. And then they sent me my vision when I was uh, 15 years old, which I'm still working on. So they put me back unnoticed. I was never not accounted for why that I was you, ever told. Why do, do you think, I'm sure somehow you're, and it's really sad, but somehow your brother's death, I think, was part of your story. But why do you think, Mark, that they found you or, or chose you? They told me that they see me as uh, an old soul that had agreed before coming in that I would interact with them. So I could download the history of my spirit experience to help me get to, up to speed as quickly as possible. And so I was, I was given what I call a galactic education for the, phew, throughout my childhood into my teens. Did you recognize your past lives? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't see them all. I, I was shown the ones that were most important. Like, like as though you were watching a movie? As though I was watching a movie. And in fact, I made a, a video of, of this. I actually I filmed a DVD about this whole experience. And, and it was like as if I was watching a movie. Thanks for listening. For more of An Intrepid Adventure, go to markglenmore.com. This has been a Paul Robinson production. See you soon.